I'm Carlin Gay, and the Milwaukee Bucks will not win the NBA championship. I'm Micah Adams, and James Harden is the best defensive player on the Rockets. I'm Gil McGregor, and I think we should pump the brakes on all this talk about the Celtics being as good as we think they might be. Welcome to NBA Sound System. You heard the 3-0 that is going to be talking to you over the next, we'll call it 40 minutes. Carlin Gay, Mike Adams, Gil McGregor. It's the buy or sell edition of NBA Sound System. Now, we've done this in the past. Our loyal listeners know what it is. But for you new listeners, I'm going to throw out a couple topics. You're either going to buy or you're going to sell. And we no holding s- allowed. No, no holding. holding allowed. Yeah, no, no holes. holes. No fence well, Scott, Ra- our guy Scott Rafferty is not here today. He's normally the guy that sits on the fence in these ter- 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 you know these times. Uh, so there won't be any holding. None of that. Yeah, yeah, we're we're getting off the fence with this one. Uh, let's talk about Mr. Player of the Week, Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony has saved the Portland Trailblazers season. Buy or sell, Gil? I'm buying. I'm buying. I think that they were in a spot where they just needed some type of boost. It doesn't mean that he's going to be the guy that lifts him over the top, but I think he's the boost that they needed to reinvigorate the team. I think it, it brings a, a new dynamic, some excitement. I think it, it's uh, gotten their top players playing even better and a little more excited to play with, with a Hall of Famer. So I think that, that he saved their season for sure. So I've been playing a lot of Mario Kart lately. <laughs> oh, boy. Here, where, where are we going with this? I feel Anytime like, you start with that. I feel like this is one of those situations where like you're, you're running in like seventh of eighth. Right. You get like like triple red shell and like bang, you, you just rip off like you rip off a couple in a row, gets you right back into like fifth place, but you still gotta run two more laps. Selling. I'm selling the idea that Carmelo has saved their season. He's been great. He's been very good. I got I gotta take a, a mea culpa. I did not think that this would work. Right. Uh Carmelo's been great. They've risen their playoff odds from twelve percent to thirty seven percent just in one week alone. But guess what? It's still 37%. It's not like he saved their season. They're on the cusp of making the playoffs. There's still a long ways to go here. So I'm going I'm to sell the fact or the idea that Carmelo has actually already saved Portland's season. I'm, I'm agreeing with Mike. I actually sell. And you guys know I'm a big Carmelo Anthony guy. I'm selling the season uh, to, to you know piggyback off of Micah's analogy. The star power is about to run out for Carmelo Anthony. You only get that star for like you know what, 30 seconds or yeah. something like that. You're bumping everybody. You get him out of the way. It's about to run out for Carmelo Anthony. He's actually ruining the Blazers season because now he has <laughs> them. He is ruining. And hear me out. He's ruining the Blazers season because now they're in the middle part of the NBA being mediocre where you don't want to be. You either want to be good or you want to be really bad. And Carmelo Anthony has them mediocre because of how good he's playing. So he's ruining their chance of, because they're not going to make the playoffs, so they're not doing that, but he's ruining their chances of getting more ping pong balls, which would have actually helped them in the summertime to get Dame and CJ some actual help for the rest of their time in Portland. Dame signed that big contract. CJ is going to be coming up soon. They need a third body. Could have been in the draft. Carmelo Anthony's ruining those chances. So they're not going to take one of those playoff spots from Minnesota or Phoenix. They're not going to be the team that just snags one. It's not only just Minnesota or Phoenix that they're worried about. There's a, there's a ton of teams ahead of them that I think are better than them. You even throw out the Thunder. I think the Thunder have a better chance of being a playoff team than the Portland Trailblazers. 
I mean, I understand. I understand where you're coming from, but I think that we've seen the, the Blazers do it year in and year out. We count them out, and then they just go on a run. Uh, again, I spoke on this last time we, we recorded, and it's still the same. Uh, they've played seven of their first 20 games away from home. So now, as the schedule gets more favorable, I think we'll see a better version of this Blazers team. I think we'll think a little bit more of them with Melo in tow. I think Carmelo's been great. The last five games, he's got the best plus-minus on the team. Uh, you know, and, and even in that first game where they lost to New Orleans, you know he. He showed some things in that game. The numbers were terrible, but there were some <laughs> things in that game that you saw that are kind of now they're, they're, they're bubbling up to the surface a little bit more, right? Shaking like the rust off. Yeah, he's shaking the rust off. They're, they're posting on that. He ranks fourth in the league still in, in, in points on post-ups per game. Uh, I mean, they're really leaning into him. But one of, two of the reasons that I'm a little, uh, a little hesitant to, to really buy into this is we got to do more than beat the Bulls twice and beat the Thunder. <laughs> I mean, all you can do is win, win the games on the schedule. So, uh, you know, it is what it is. We'll, we'll see if they can continue moving forward. But, but sort of like uh, kind of a different version of what Carlin said, you know, if I'm Portland, you know, I was one of the teams in the mix for a Kevin Love or a maybe a, a guy like Danilo Gallinari. Right. If Carmelo is playing this well, you can't then go get a guy – to bring him in that doesn't also fit next fit well next to Mello. Mm. So like he's weirdly pointed he kind of put them into this corner where now that he's playing well that they obviously have to have to keep him incorporated into what they're doing, but I also think it limits them in terms of what they should sort of do next because like this team is currently constructed. Yeah, they've won a couple games in a row, but they should not be done yet sort of fixing whatever's going on there in Portland. And let's not forget they are awaiting the return of Yusuf Nurkic. I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because it's interesting. You mentioned Carmelo Anthony fourth in the league in post-ups. What the heck are they going to do when Yusuf Nurkic gets back into the lineup? Because it's not like Yusuf Nurkic is standing out on a three-point line creating space for Melo. So that's going to be another dynamic that they bring to the table where Melo is best now at this point of his career either stretching the floor in the corners or posting up and Nurkic doesn't do anything outside of 12 feet from the rim. How about Carmelo as a small bar five when Nurkic gets Ooh, back? Whenever Nurkic isn't on the floor, roll up Melo at the five spot. Why not? Yeah. Well, we saw Giannis dunk on somebody. I don't know if Melo wants any of Pour one out for my guy Julius Randle. <laughs> yeah, Julius Randle, 6'9", and uh, Giannis has reached over and crowned it on him. Let's stick with the Bucks. Let's stick with the Milwaukee Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks will win 70 games this season by yourself. I'm buying. I'm buying. Uh Look, 70s, that's a lot. It's only been done twice in the history of the league, mm-hmm. right? We 73 win Warriors, yep. 72 win Bulls. Uh, I believe 538 currently has them pegged to finish in the in the mid to high 60s. But I am buying the fact that they're going to win 70 because they have the second easiest remaining schedule in the entire league. Right. They have a top three offense. They have a top three defense. And they got a superstar that's not going to load manage. Giannis plays every night. And also the last two weeks, you—they are beating out the beating in the brains of all these other of all these other non-playoff teams to the point where he's playing like 29 minutes a night the last <laughs> month. So he's getting load managed within the by by just not playing in fourth quarters. It's kind of like how when the Warriors went 73 and nine, like Steph Curry just sat out like every other fourth quarter. The the Bucks are are kind of in that main 
where they're just destroying teams early. So, you know, he might not be sitting out games, but he's still getting his rest. I am buying the Milwaukee Bucks winning 70. Giannis actually played in their last outing as we record right now. The last two outings, he played close to tw- no no more than 22 minutes. He had 29 points against the Knicks, 26 against the Charlotte Hornets, 40-plus point victories in both those. Buy or sell, Gil, the Bucks. Win 70 games. As much as I want to buy, I got to sell. I got 70 is such a big number. I feel like we're at this spot every year. Obviously, you talked about load management. That doesn't make things differently. But I do remember at this point last year, we were talking whether or not we saw the Raptors and Warriors win 70 games. And there's so many things that happen over the course of a season that you just can't take into account for. 70 games is such a big figure. I see them going somewhere between 65 and 68, which is still a lot. They won 60 last year, but 70, I just don't see it happening. They're definitely, I'm selling, they're definitely getting more than they had a year ago, which was 60, correct? 60. 60, 60. games. Uh, I can't see them winning 10-plus games because this team is not a 10-plus uh, win team from a year ago. They lost pieces, Malcolm Brogdon. I've been saying it all year long, not only on this podcast, but on NBA.com in videos. I, I just don't see the Milwaukee Bucks, and I started off this podcast saying that they're not going to win the championship. I think they're not going to win the championship, but I do think they're going to be the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. It's just not going to be 70 win games, 70 games for them. They haven't had a major injury yet. Um, now, let me knock on wood for them and not wish them any bad, but things like that happen, and the rest of the NBA is much better than it was a year ago, and they only won 60 games. Here's, here's what I say. I, I do think that we should check in again at the end of the month because only five of their games in the month of December are against teams currently with winning records. Right. And then they open up January. They got the Timberwolves at home and then back-to-back games against the Spurs, who are a mess. And then they got the Warriors, who are obviously a mess. Uh, the Kings and the aforementioned Blazers before returning home against the Knicks. That takes them to the halfway point in the season. They mm-hmm. got to go 52-9 and nine from here on out to get to 70. Mm-hmm. They're Right now they're 18-3. and three. I, I just – you look at what, who they have over the next 20 games, they're going to have a gaudy record. Yeah, they There's will. a really good chance that this team is something like – like 33 and five or right. six. And at that point, it's going to be under, they've won 12 in a row and they haven't even broken a sweat. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And and, and and you bring that up and that actually brings me up to something that I wanted to say on this podcast and I was waiting for the opportunity to say it. And that's, you know, the Bucks get killed all the time for beating teams that are lesser than them. But if you're a good team, that's what you do. That's what the Lakers have done to get them to the record that they're at right now. We shouldn't crush teams. The Raptors have done it. The Heat have done it. We shouldn't crush teams for beating who is in front of them. When you're a good team, you crush the bad teams. And the Bucks are a good team. I just don't think that they're a championship team, a championship caliber team. But that doesn't mean they're not one of the best teams in the NBA. They're proving that every night as they just beat the last, the breaks off of the Hornets and uh, and the uh, uh, and the uh, Knicks over the last two games, forty plus. Like that doesn't happen. That no. barely happened. That's like a, a college homecoming game. Forty plus points in an NBA game. Well, well they're not going to beat the Clippers by forty on Friday, oh, and if they do, boy. then they then they might not lose the rest of the season. Forget seven. Seventy nine and three. Yeah, they're going to go <laughs> seventy nine and three if they beat the Clippers by forty. That's not on our list, but let's talk about it. I, what do you expect to see out of that? Some would call a finals preview. I think it's. I think it could potentially be the game of the year. Uh, and I, I don't say that lightly knowing how many amazing teams. Every time the Lakers and Clippers are going to play this year, it's going to be great. Mm-hmm. Anytime James Harden plays anyone, it could it could be great. But I think just from what we saw with Giannis and Kawhi in last year's playoffs and knowing that like this is, you know, with Kawhi missing the first mm-hmm. game, and by the way, that was an epic was a pretty game. Pretty good game, yeah. Milwaukee won. The Clippers played out of their minds in that game. Right. Um, 
But I think that this is actually going to be the best game of the rest of the regular season because I just think these are the two best guys. These are the two best players in the league. Mm-hmm. I, I think that most most would agree with that. You can convince me of LeBron or Harden if you want, but uh, pound for pound, it's you don't get very often two guys at the absolute apex of their game in situations that are perfectly suited to bring out the best version of themselves. I expect it to be the game of the year uh, on Friday. No back-to-back for either team, so we don't expect any load management on either side. Gil, is, who's this game more important for, the Clippers or the Bucks? I think it's more important for the Bucks. I think we've seen the Clippers get a win over the Lakers when they weren't at full strength, and we just talked about the Bucks are beating who are in front of them, but that would be a big statement win for them. Um, I, I think having the Clippers at full strength coming into town and uh, – really just handling business and kind of making that statement to the league, especially if they're still on their win streak. I think that really establishes their dominance as a true title contender because we're questioning what they can do in the postseason. I think that gives us an idea of what they can do. One thing that I would like to point out for to watch with the Clippers in that game, their best five players so far this season have only shared the floor for 22 minutes. Yeah, it's not a lot. Right? So PG, Kawhi, Pat Bev, and then, and then Trez and, and Lou Will. They've only played 22 minutes the whole year, if that Clippers team shows up full strength and those five guys play and Milwaukee is able to beat that group, I, I don't care what happens the rest of the season. The Milwaukee Bucks are a legitimate title contender and and easily, I think, the favorite in the Eastern Conference. Do you think anybody blames it on that group still needing time to get more acquainted with one another, though? No, but they will. I mean, if they lose, they'll say, well, who, so what? It's yeah, December, it's right? Yeah. But then if... It, what it, but if they win, Milwaukee's now all of a sudden not going to get that same benefit of the doubt. That's fair. That's fair. I don't know. That's fair. But I'm already out on Milwaukee Bucks. You guys know that. And that's, uh, <laughs> that's less to do about Giannis and more to do about Eric Bledsoe being their starting point wow, guard. Shots fired. Speaking of point guards, Russell Westbrook has been in Houston for all of a month and a half. He was down at the Houston-Texas game, Texans game uh, this past weekend, seeing the Patriots lose that one. Uh, he, he was at Houston Astros games for the World Series. He's trying to be comfortable in Houston. The Rockets should trade Russell Westbrook. Buy or sell? Sell. Sell that one. It's far too soon. Uh, I think we've kind of mentioned it and touched on it before on, on, on some written articles that we've done. Then bring him in to make the Rockets a, a better regular season per se, regular season team per se. Their issues have come in the postseason with the load being too much for James Harden. We can't tell what Russell Westbrook is really going to add to this team until we see in a postseason series. And I don't think you just write that off. A guy who won MVP not that long ago um, still can do some big-time things for this team. Uh, I think you see what they have and, and what they can do in the postseason. Well, why, not? Me, why not? Why not? Yeah, why, why not? Why not? Because I, I, and I'm not saying sell yet. I'm not giving you my answer yet. But I want to know why not. Because I hear that argument being made about wait till the playoffs. Waiting to the playoffs doesn't always work out for teams. We saw the teams that are more aggressive in the regular season normally get rewarded when they make moves and giant moves and are able to take those risks. Should the Rockets really be looking? Should Daryl Morey pick up the phone a little bit? December 15th, that trade kind of kickoff period is coming up. What about Russ? So you think about your opportunity costs and think about cutting your losses. If you trade Russ, what really are you going to get for him that's going to make this team better suited to do better in the playoffs than they would with him. That's kind of the way I look at it. I think they made the deal. It wasn't necessarily a lateral deal to to move Chris to get him. I think that that um, put their ceiling a little bit higher, but I don't think that there's a move that's going to put their ceiling higher than it is right now. There's a lot of potentials, a lot of what-ifs that go into it, but the only way you find out is if you see it. Obviously, I guess it's more of a 
not not a wait to the playoffs, but you know you can't really truly judge it until the playoffs. Uh, let me let me ask you a question. Say we do get to the playoffs, okay. right? And, and we and the Houston finds themselves in a, in a tough playoff series, which we know is going to happen. It doesn't even matter against who. What what on the floor needs to happen for Russell Westbrook to have the type of impact that's going to lead to wins? Like, what does success look like for Russell Westbrook as a basketball player? Both fitting in with this Rockets team. This is where this is where I could jump in here and say this. This is the Rockets need Russell Westbrook to be as aggressive as he's been in the past and not defer to James Harden all the time. And right now to start the season, when you watch Houston Rocket games, when they're on the floor together, Russell Westbrook is content being a one B, not even a one B. He is content being a number two. And the Russell Westbrook that we know and love even when he was with Kevin Durant, who at the time was arguably the best player in the NBA, Russell Westbrook thought he was better than Kevin Durant. That's what made Russell Westbrook who he is today. That's what made him special. That's what takes him over the top. And that's what people expected to see when he got to Houston because that's the guy they're going to need when James Harden doesn't, you know, the teams lock in on Harden. They need another guy on the floor that thinks when I step on this floor, I am the best player on the floor. We haven't seen that yet. All right, well, Gil, you're the only one that's actually given an answer, so I'm going to give an answer. I'm, <laughs> Go gonna, I am going to buy the notion that they should trade Russell Westbrook. So you're out. I, I, I would say cut bait right now. I have, I have a couple of reasons for thinking that. So for me, success, I asked you what success looked like right? right for Westbrook playing alongside Harden. It's, right. it, for me, it's two things. It's, one, make them unguardable when they're on the floor together so you can't double harden and throw junk defenses at them, right? You have a four-on-three with Russ with the ball in his hands, like, good luck, okay? Making them unguardable with when he shares the floor with Harden. And then it's, look, James Harden has run out of gas in the playoffs. We've seen it happen time in, time out for years now. So it's it's those times when James is on the bench that Russ needs to be 27 MVP Russ, or maybe like 90% 27 MVP Russ. Here's some numbers for you guys. When the two of them share the floor together so far this season, the Rockets are outscoring teams by about 10 points per 100 possessions. That's really good, right? Mm-hmm. They get better when Harden's out there without Russ, but then you flip it, and the minutes that Russell Westbrook has played without James Harden, they've been outscored by over 13 points per 100 possessions. That's like a lottery team. That's like a low lottery team. Right. That's a team that's that's picking fifth, you know, fifth or, or higher in the draft, <laughs> not one that you think is going to make a push for the NBA Finals. We already know he can't shoot. That's and, and that's only getting worse. That's something that is not going to change. So if the best version of Houston is James doing the thing, everything, you know, the, the ball's in his hands, everyone's playing off of him, and Russ isn't giving you any anything off the ball, and then he's not giving you anything when Harden's, at, when Harden's on the bench, mm-hmm. then why not, why not trade him and try to get three, three guys back? You know, what, would I rather have, you know, uh, two dimes and a nickel instead of having the quarter uh, for Westbrook? I don't know. I, I just think that it's diminishing returns. And I'm not even saying that Russ isn't capable of being a good player because I don't think that. The guy was second-team All-NBA last year. And I think in the right system, on the right team, he could still have that type of impact. I'm just not sure that playing alongside Harden is uh, something that fit, fits the skill set. And I just don't think we're going to see it. And like you said, Carlin, you know, there there's benefits to waiting, but there are – 
when they when they flame out inevitably and they end up not making a move, everyone is going to look back and say, "We knew this was going to happen. <laughs> why would we? Th- why on earth would we think that that something would?" The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different so, results. At some point here. You know, we're going to have to start seeing these two figure it out. It's a long season. We're only a quarter of the way through. This was never going to work overnight. Uh, but it's it's not only is it not working, it's 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 just – it's not even coming close to working is, yeah, is I, what I would say. There's, there's a couple of things you said there that I agree on. First of all, the, the insanity thing is – you're absolutely right. It would have been insanity had they not traded for Russell Westbrook in the first place because they knew that Chris Paul – that situation just didn't work out. They tried it two times. They got close, but they couldn't get over the hump. So they went ahead and tried something new. The second thing, we knew that this was always going to be a process. It was going to take time. We're not even 20 games into the season. The one thing that people always forget to talk about when you say, oh, a certain guy could play off the ball. Or, uh, you know, we're even seeing in Utah with Mike Conley. Mike Conley is having a horrible start to the season. Many people say that, oh, he's a shooter. He could play off the ball. When you have the ball in your hands or had the ball in your hands for so many years in the past, it is easy to get back into the rhythm of the game because you know you're going to touch the ball at any point of the game and work yourself back into rhythm. Russell Westbrook doesn't have that luxury right now because he's waiting on getting opportunities when James Harden is not on the floor or or James Harden is you know deciding that he gets a touch. So it's tough for him to find ways to really contribute off the ball, and that's not going to happen in less than 20 games. So I'm going to sell here, and I'm going to say take time. And this is not just take time for this season. I'm talking take time for next season. When Daryl Morey made this trade, I don't think he thought to himself, this is it. This is my championship team right now. Because he looked at the rest of that roster and realized that, you know what, Austin Rivers is my backup point guard. Uh, P.J. Tucker is getting a year older. We don't really have any pieces around. Eric Gordon hasn't even shown us anything in the last year and a half that tells you that he's going to be back to that six-man caliber guy that he once was. So take time. Make this move. And then maybe in the offseason, we're... Things could change, as we know in the NBA. You get a piece here and there, and then you go all in. I don't think this team has gone all in yet. See, I think they're they're not rebuilding; they're reloading. And this is a year for kind of seeing what you have and taking your time here. But isn't everyone else going to get better? Like the Lakers are only going to get better. But there's no guarantee of that. When, when LeBron when LeBron went to Miami, right? right? They that team in Miami needed one full year before they really hit their stride. And sure. then once they hit their stride, it was game over. Right. Right. Is the same thing not going to happen with LeBron and AD on the Lakers or Kawhi and Paul George with the Clippers? Like, if I'm if I'm anyone outside of those two teams, this is my year before the Lakers go add someone else, before the Clippers figure everything out together. Right. Like, that window, like, the, the two L.A. teams might just slam the door shut and seal it, get the welder out, the goggles. No one's opening that door potentially next year. The window's right now. Yeah, so if you, I'm Houston, I've got I've been as close as they are. You, you got to do everything you, you can, can to win it that, now. You can say that if you're looking at a glass half empty and beat any team in the league. You look at the defending champions from a year ago, the Toronto Raptors. They could have said that before going out and getting a Kawhi Leonard. They could have said that before firing their coach of the year and bringing in a guy who had never coached a game in the NBA. You, yet. They did go for it. They traded for Kawhi right. Leonard. But that happened after failure upon failure upon failure. It didn't happen after the first failure. 
So they took their time and got to a place where they were able to put themselves in a position to take that big leap. And those around them, they weren't afraid of what Boston Celtics were doing. If you had left it up to the Toronto Raptors two years ago, they would have folded and said, you know what, let's tank because Boston's going to win the championship for the next five years. That's how people thought about the Boston Celtics at the time when they got Kyrie Irving, when they had Jason Tatum explode onto the NBA scene, when they traded, uh, sorry, when they traded for Jason Tatum and got him, when they got Jalen Brown and they had Gordon Hayward, everyone expected the Boston Celtics to run away with the Eastern Conference. They haven't even got past the second You're round yet. You're going to compare a Boston Celtics team with a bunch of 20-year-old kids to LeBron I'm and Anthony you, Davis? What are you doing? Well, well 20-year-old kids, I'll be a little bit more afraid of the 20-year-old kids <laughs> than the 36-year-old LeBron James. Wow. I would be. You would be more five afraid of Jalen Brown now, than you five, are LeBron? Five years from now, LeBron James is not going to be in the NBA. I will I will believe that when I see it. Well, I'll never bet against is, LeBron. Even if he is, he doesn't strike the fear into the rest of the league as he once did. He is not that LeBron James anymore. Great player, still a top five player in the NBA, but we're not shaking in our boots when we see LeBron come to town anymore as we were five years ago. I, I You're right. I shake out of my boots just before you see it. <laughs> and, Thinking and, about it makes me shake out of my and boots. And Kawhi Leonard, you don't know what's going to happen with his knee. That's he fair. hasn't That's played. Uh, Paul George has got two surgeries on his shoulder. So much can change. This time last year, we didn't even think that the Lakers would have Anthony Davis. And then two months goes by, and Anthony Davis is demanding a trade. And now look where the Lakers are. Things happen so quick in the NBA, and I think a lot of GMs, the GMs anyway, that go out there – and rush to find a solution are the ones that normally end up looking for another job. If Daryl Morey is smart, which I think he is, he's going to take his time here. He already made a giant trade in the offseason. Going to get an MVP, a former MVP, is not an easy guy to bring into your locker room and try to configure around him. He still has Mike D'Antoni, who could be removed before the end of the season. You have to give things time. And I think when he made that trade, he realized himself, listen, it's not about this year. It's about the next two years, and that's a championship window. And two years is always going to be better than one, in my opinion. No rebuttal? No, you make a compelling case right there. And similar to what Micah was saying about the Bucks, something I just want to revisit, 20 more games. It's too early, like I said. We're first quarter of the season. We're about halfway through. You still have time. I mean, the deadline is not until February. You don't have to necessarily press the panic button now. And you mentioned some names and Eric Gordon, Gerald Green. That's some as a yeah, subscript. They got to get going. They're, 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 dealing, they're dealing with injuries. They're dealing with injuries, guys who haven't really got a chance to play yet. So um, this team hasn't even had full strength yet. So maybe if Russell's playing with some better lineups like those guys when he's on the, on the floor, then maybe they'll look a little bit better. I tell you what, I love Mike D'Antoni as a coach, but his seat is red hot. Got to be red hot. Has to be. It's this year it for is, him. It, it is this year, bust. I think. I think for D'Antoni. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, let's move on. Fred Van Vliet will make the All Star team. Buy or sell? Man, this, this is a hard one. I think this is the hardest one we're gonna do. I'm gonna buy because I think that Toronto. Ching, ching, Toronto. I, I think Toronto is gonna be just too good that they're gonna need more than one All Star. Mm. And I think we're to the point now. Kyle Lowry's missed. I think eleven games. Yes. Yep. And Fred Van Vliet has been just as good or better. Uh, the, he's basically been Kyle Lowry. Uh, he's leading the NBA in minutes per game. Man, if 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 Toronto is is like on pace for sixty wins or fifty eight wins or whatever it is they're gonna be uh, when ballots start coming in, I, why why wouldn't eighteen and a half points and seven and a half assists while leading the league in minutes, about two steals a game? Um, he's He's doing everything for them uh, in the backcourt. Not only are they down Kyle Lowry right now, this is a team that also said goodbye to Danny Green in the offseason, and they didn't really replace him. 
So, I mean, he's Fred Van Fleet is, is all of a sudden gone from this folk hero in the NBA Finals to legitimate guy that's about to get paid next summer. I am buying Fred Van Fleet. Before you answer, Gil, I'm just going to say, I'm going to buy. You could go read about why I want to buy into Fred Van Fleet making the all-star team on NBA.com right now. And I'll say this. They didn't replace Danny Green. They did. They tried to. The two guys they brought in, Stanley Johnson and Matt Thompson, they're both hurt. They can't even get on the floor. (laughs) Fred Van Vliet has been incredible for the Raptors. And if we're going based off of what's happened in the past, if you finish in the top three in your conference, there's a good chance that you end up with two All-Stars. Fred Van Vliet has to be that guy, seeing as not only his play, but Serge Ibaka went out with injury. Kyle Lowry went out with injury. Everyone expected the, the Raptors to fold up, and all they've done is actually elevate their game, and now they look deeper than they did before those injuries happened. They were playing six guys. That's why Van Vliet's leading the league in minutes yeah. before Lowry went out. Larry was number two. Larry's number two in minutes. The backcourt in Toronto was as thin as, uh, you know, I guess uh, Gil's mustache right now. <laughs> so <laughs> the Raptors had to depend on Fred Van Vliet to elevate his game. He didn't elevate it. He actually went above and beyond, and he's an all-star this season. That makes three of us. I'm buying Fred Van Vliet as an all-star. The precedent has been set in years past. The Raptors have been at the top of the Eastern Conference, and they sent two all-stars. Last year it was Kyle Lowry and Kawhi, and this year I think it's definitely Fred Van Vliet and, and Pascal Siakam. We'll see what Kyle Lowry does when he gets back to the lineup. It could be three, uh, but Van Vliet has, like we've said, been a man of many hats. He was a starting two-guard to start the year. Lowry goes down. Now he's a starting lead guard, and he hasn't missed a beat, hasn't missed a step, um, putting up some pretty spectacular numbers and big-time performances and really uh, being that guy when, when the roster is kind of decimated. And, and on games where the rest of the team can't get going, you know, uh, th- that game in Portland, it, it was a comeback win. He and Pascal Siakam both have 30-point games leading to wins. These are things that I don't think that Van Vliet would have been doing in the past, and his game continues to grow. And like Micah said, he's, he's in for a big payday real soon. I hate when we all agree, so let's move on. Uh, <laughs> the Lakers will finish with the best record in the Western Conference. Buy or sell? I'm going to buy it. Mm. And I can't, I, I, uh, this is a shock coming from me because I was not a believer in the Lakers as a regular season team. Are you a believer now? I am. Okay. I am. Uh, I, I just thought, and look, my, my biggest concern with this team was predicated on, one, the health of LeBron and AD, which – we're only 20 games in. That could still, you know, rear its head, and one of them misses a month, and they, and they go on like a five and ten tailspin. That that could still happen. I don't think it's going to. Um, you know, you can never project health, but the other component that I've been really surprised by is is the depth and the defense. I I don't think. I mean, Anthony Davis can talk all he wants about how. I'm going to be the defensive player of the year. I'm going to get LeBron to make all defense. So we're going to be a great defensive team. You look at the pieces that this team added and like, yeah, maybe the name recognition of Avery Bradley and Rajon Rondo. They got some guys that maybe five years ago were great (laughs) defenders. Neither of them have have done any, neither of them have done anything defensively. Uh, And and Bradley in particular has been great. Danny, Danny Green's been really good. Dwight Howard. I, I don't even know. I don't know what Dwight Howard uh, was eating or where he was working out this past offseason. I'm not going to say he looks like Orlando Magic Dwight Howard because he doesn't, but on a per-minute basis, he's blocking shots like he never has. Mm-hmm. JaVale has been been totally fine and serviceable, and uh, I don't know. They, they're just they're deeper, and they defend at a much higher level than I would have ever expected. And I just the other teams in the West that we kind of thought were going to be 
at least great regular season teams, the Utahs, the Denvers. I know we're going to get to to Utah here in a little bit. They aren't as good as I think we thought. And then we, you know, we already talked about some of Houston's early chemistry issues, and the the Clippers are are just not going to be healthy enough. I, I think the Lakers are not only going to win the West; I think they're going to they're going to win it by like three or four games. Yeah, Michael, you you pointed this out in, in power rankings this week that this is a big month for them. They're going to be on the road a lot. They have a, a couple big tests. But I'm buying as well. Uh, I think that this Lakers team has placed a priority on, on playing well in the regular season. It's got a lot of new pieces, and I think these guys are really um, trying to get it all together right now. So once the postseason comes, they will be accustomed. There won't be any more reasons that they need to grow and get things together. So I do think the Lakers have, have increased priority on, on really getting things together in the regular season. And I think, like you said, uh, their defense credit goes to Frank Vogel, who uh, has the his, his calling card is defense and, and it's definitely shown with this team and, and defense will, will get you pretty far. So I'm all in on Lakers uh, being number one seed it's, in the Western Conference. It's funny to me that we kind of slept on the Lakers defensively. Everyone always talked about in the offseason when they built this team and put this team together, when they failed getting Kawhi Leonard and they went out and got those pieces, everyone was like, well, who's going to score? Who's going to score? When you look at the list of guys that they have on their team, LeBron James, Danny Green, JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard, Anthony Davis, even you throw out KCP, your boy? No, I'm not throwing him in. <laughs> Rajah Rondo, Avery Bradley, all those guys have been good defenders in the past, and I think everybody kind of glossed over that. And Frank Vogel knows how to get his teams to defend. We forget what he did with the Pacers. It, they barely had an offense. It was Paul George go out there, and Roy Hibbert was good at the time, and that was it. They really didn't have an offense, but they made their way all the way to one game, one quarter away from making it to the NBA Finals. He has more talent on this team than he did with those Pacers team. He had time to kind of get out of the league and learn a little bit. I'm buying. The, the Lakers, to me, are the team to beat in the NBA. I get the Clippers are still the favorites in most people's minds. I've been on the Lakers from day one. Apparently, I got off for a day or two, but I'm back <laughs> on did, the bandwagon. You, you don't remember it, but you I did. I don't remember it at all, but I'm back on the bandwagon. This Laker team, to me, is the best team in the NBA because they can defend, and people slept on that. And I think, you know, you... I mentioned that they added guys that haven't been great defensive players in a while, but they all know how to play defense, which is what you just said. That's definitely a component of defense that I know I personally slept on because I I don't, it's really hard to place value on having five guys on the floor that know exactly what to do, where to be, how to rotate, knowing assignments, picking up on tendencies. They're a really smart team. So even if like athletically, maybe they're not there, I mentally it's a very mentally strong team they're disciplined and uh, they just don't make very many mistakes on defense and I you know and I think particularly that's something that I I believe will actually translate better into a playoff series because they're gut because they have so many smart players they're going to be a team that's going to make adjustments uh you know throughout the course of a series they're going to understand they're going to pick up on things uh so I I'm with you I I am uh I'm buying. I'm buying on the Lakers. Waiting. We are green again. Yeah, I hate that. I'm <laughs> waiting for someone to write the article. Everyone always talks about how offense is better and there's so many more possessions of games faster. I'm waiting for someone to write the article that defense has actually been better because when you look at the best defensive teams in the league right now, the Clippers will lock you down. The Lakers, are, even the Nuggets will lock you down. There's so many good defensive teams in the league uh, that it would surprise me if you dig deeper to look back on and you kind of kind of weigh it out in terms of the pace some of these teams probably historically good, and we're just sleeping on it because we're too busy looking at offense. Is Utah one of those? Utah is not one of them yet. And also, I just wanted to say that Jason Kidd's going to have to lay it a little longer to get that head coaching <laughs> job. Uh, let's go to Utah. And 
We just got the latest championship odds, 2020 NBA championship odds. The Utah Jazz have fallen from 16 to 1 odds down to 25 to 1. The last two games, they have looked ugly. They lost to the Toronto Raptors, got absolutely blown out. The Sixers out-physicaled them. They, they just really beat them up. Everyone's out in Utah. Donovan Mitchell tweeted, he said, you know what? Kind of wait and see. The haters wait and see. Are the Utah Jazz out as title contenders this season? Buy or sell? I'm selling it. I'm selling it. I'm still. I'm not. I'm not giving up on 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 the Jazz yet. Um, they have a precedent of showing us some bad things throughout the season. This is the best start that they they've gotten out to in, in recent years. It's the best start they've gotten out to since they've drafted Donovan Mitchell. They were nine and eleven the past two years. They were twelve and eight through twenty games this year. They did have that pretty bad showing in Toronto, but again, you look back at those other years, they won 50 games and and right around 50 games in the fifth seed in the Western Conference. They have a lot of new pieces. They're trying to figure things out, so I think that that kind of goes with it. And if you want to talk about how bad they looked in certain games, last year they lost to the Mavericks by 50 points uh, early on in the season, so looking bad early on is something that uh, was just uncharacteristic. It's characteristic of them, unfortunately. I'm selling. Selling Utah Jazz, selling the Utah Jazz championship, uh, you know, Contenders, they're, They just haven't looked good to me, and I don't think that Mike Conley is who we thought he would be for this team. Joe Ingles looks old. We're going to go out and say it. I don't care if they put him back in the starting lineup. He's just not going to be the same guy. We get fooled. LeBron James is 36, and he's still getting better. Joe Ingles isn't LeBron James. He's 32. He's supposed wow, really to look bringing old. the hot takes here. Joe he's, Ingles isn't LeBron. <laughs> Stop the presses. You know what? We saw D. Rose, or not D. Rose. Uh, he's D- been Dwayne better too. Wade. Dwayne Wade, really, his, his drop-off wasn't as steep as, as it would have been when he was in his, young, his older ages. Joe Ingles is supposed to look old. He's 32. He's supposed to look like an old guy. He's looking like an old guy. So I'm, I'm out on the Utah Jazz. I, I'm still a believer in Utah. Uh, I I will agree with Carlin that Joe Ingles is not LeBron James, uh, but I do Scorcher. I Old. do think that Mike Conley's getting a little too much grief. They this team we talked about how uh, one of you guys mentioned that the Rockets didn't get Russell Westbrook for how things would look in November and December. Right, they got Russell Westbrook for what happens in April and May. Right, it's the same thing with Utah. Utah got Mike Conley for what he will give them, which is a veteran presence, uh, some stability, some shot making, some much-needed cojones, as Tim McMahon says from ESPN. Uh, And I actually think, you know, look, Mike Conley is not shooting well at all. I think he's been in the six-week slump that we keep waiting for him to get out. One of the things that I I think is really interesting is if you look at – Donovan Mitchell, and you look at what Mitchell's done when when he's been out there with Conley and versus without Conley, and specifically the assists and the turnovers. When Mitchell's out there with Conley, he's got over twice as many assists as he does turnovers, right? We expect Conley to have this calming influence on the on the young fella and and make him a more seasoned playmaker that kind of doesn't that doesn't lose himself so easily, doesn't get us flustered. When Mitchell's been out there without Conley, he has more turnovers than assists. And I think that speaks volumes. I mean, the shooting, I think Mike Conley is a good enough shooter and has proven over time that's going to come around. But I think the impact that he has on Donovan Mitchell's playmaking, on Donovan Mitchell's poise, on his ability to stay within himself, I am still a believer in Mike Conley. And anyone that is rushing to judgment saying that Utah is done and finished because Mike Conley is slumping a little bit in the middle of December, you don't know what on earth you're talking about. I'm looking at you, Carlin. No, I'm I'm actually going to turn it up a bit here. I'm actually out on Donovan Mitchell, too. And I'll tell you why. (laughs) I'm selling Donovan Mitchell stock as him hitting that superstardom level. 
The game against the Raptors, now granted they're a great defensive team, he had 16 points, he was really non-existent, he kind of went through the motions in that one, took 16 shots to get those 16 points. Then went out and tweeted. Everyone was like, okay, let's see what you're going to bring now going forward. You can't open your mouth and not bring it the next game. And that's exactly what Donovan Mitchell did. He opened his mouth and he did not bring it the next game. 18 points on 19 shots. Donovan Mitchell, get out of here with that. There's too many times where you have great stretches and then look awful. This is another one of those times where you started off the season hot and now you look awful. You need to take your game to the next level to get the Utah Jazz to title contender status. We could complain about Mike Conley. We could talk about the Jazz not being as good defensively as we thought they would be. They're not even in the top 10 right now. But a lot of it falls on Donovan Mitchell getting his game to the next level. And there's too many times as a superstar or a budding superstar in this league, you have to bring it night in and night out. Donovan Mitchell can't have two bad games in a row. He's on that streak right now looking probably for three. Yeah, look, I'm not going to sit here and defend Donovan Mitchell. He he has not made the leap that I think we thought he'd make. I do think he has been a little bit better than he has last year, but but it's but it's been incremental. But I'm with you. I think especially given on on how Mitchell played in last year's playoffs, there was a stat that was like of 1,600 players ever ever that took at least 100 shots over a postseason. He was dead last in win shares per 48, which I that's a really nerdy way of just right. saying that. He was horribly inefficient in last year's playoffs. And basically anyone that, that shoots or plays uh, worth anything, I mean, he's basically the worst of, of every main player that's ever that's ever played in the playoffs last year. So, lot. I mean, look, there's only so much that he can do uh, between be now and then. Be consistent. You know, he's, he's 23. He'll get there. I get it. Be consistent, though. If you're going to open your mouth, you better back it up. And he didn't back it up against the, the, uh, sorry, the, the uh, Philadelphia 76ers after – opening his mouth saying haters this and that come on knock it off uh we'll move on and talk to uh, talk about a former utah jazz player in gordon hayward he makes his return to the boston celtics and when he does the question remains buy or sell the celtics the biggest challengers to the bucks in the east i'm selling okay uh look i love gordon hayward i really like this boston team and i think really they, like them i really like them i okay. really do why i think that they have more playmakers than potentially anyone in the league they can put five guys on the floor that can shoot that can handle that can create um they, they defend canter, man he's getting those assist numbers they up. defend really well <laughs> look at why why you gotta hate why you gotta bring that i'm trying to listen he's canter's my guy he likes wrestling uh, me and him will always bond. oh my heavens um, <laughs> no but i i love boston I, I think they're really good but i i they're not the toronto raptors i still think the toronto raptors are the second best team in the east uh, I do think Boston is a bigger threat to Milwaukee than Philly, though. So I would, uh, I buy that Gordon Hayward makes Boston back, you know, you know, one of those top three teams. But I, I am selling the notion that they are the number one challenger. Before Gil answers, you said top three, so that means that you have Philly in fourth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right, well, uh, I'm pretty much with you on that for the most part. Uh, buying this, Hayward makes them better. Um, selling that they are the biggest threat to the Bucks, I think that's the defending champion. Toronto Raptors, and I do think that Philly has a little bit of a better shot at making things difficult for Milwaukee. The reason is, um, last year we saw what Milwaukee did with Boston in the postseason, and a lot of it had to do with uh, Kyrie's underperformance, but I think A that lot of it had I, to do? Pretty much all of it had to do with, <laughs> with, with, with Kyrie's underperformance, um, but I do think that the, the big thing, when you look at Milwaukee, you have to stop Giannis Antetokounmpo, and, and that's kind of the the motor that gets everything going, uh, and I don't think, th- I think that they're uh, 
worse. They're they're poorly. They're, they're they were better equipped to to defend Giannis last than they are this year. Al Horford is gone. I think he was a guy who uh, used his savvy and, and his size to make things difficult for him. They still have Shimmy Ojale, um, but then you look inside and you see their rim protection. You look at Daniel Tyson. You look at Enos Cantor, and, and you look at uh, Vincent Poirier. Whoever it is that they they they're going to try to 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 protect the rim with. We're them. talking about Vincent Poirier now. It, it's you know ex- right. I mean and that <laughs> and, right, and, that, and that's the state that's the state of the Celtics rim protection. <laughs> let's move so on. I'm selling the Celtics. Don't do Robert Williams like that. And, 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 and Time Lord himself, Robert Williams. Yeah, I'm selling on the Celtics. I think the Raptors and the Sixers are actually better than the Celtics are, but it's close. It's very close. James Harden will score 80 points in a game this season by herself. 82, he's doing it. 80, 82. Kobe, you better be on alert. He's coming for you. He should have gotten it against Atlanta. He looked if really Atlanta, good. If Atlanta was not a G League team, yeah. he would have he done it against Atlanta. He looked really good in those three quarters against Atlanta. Barcel at 82 or 80. I'm selling. I'm selling. Pretty much, he's going to be in this position, but the team won't be good enough for the game to be close. They're going to trade Russell Westbrook, and then in his <laughs> first game without him, he's scoring 82. I'm selling too. I think he's going to get 79 this season, though. 79. Uh, Zion Williamson will become. This is the last one. Zion Williamson will become the most influential player in the NBA after LeBron James retires. And the reason why I ask that, or say that, is because the Pelicans right now, according to ESPN's uh, attendance report are sixth in road attendance this season. Now, granted, a lot of those had to do with the fact that people probably bought those tickets. Zion comes to the East only one time a year. You know that more people go to watch NBA games in the Eastern Conference. That's just how things go. But Zion right now is powering the Pelicans, who really don't have anyone else worth watching, to the sixth most attended road team in the NBA. Is Zion, or will Zion be the most influential player in the NBA after LeBron retires, Gil. Sell. Sell. There are too many um, figures that I would put ahead of him right now. We just talked about Giannis, and there's also a guy named Luka Doncic. These are both uh, global figures who will have a big-time impact on the global game once LeBron calls it quits. Giannis's team right now is pulling in the 16th best road attendance. No one cares to see the Milwaukee Bucks. And right now, Luka Doncic is just in the top 10 with the Dallas Mavericks. But Zion, who hasn't stepped on the floor, rated 6. Michael, where do you stand? I'm buying. Yeah, I mean, that's, that is a an absolutely outrageous stat. It's nice. Because Zion doesn't look that good in the suit. So I don't know why <laughs> they rank 6. Uh, look, we live, we are in a climate now where people consume games uh, with highlights and people aren't necessarily sitting in front of TVs watching two and a half hour game clips or catching 15 second clips on Instagram, on Twitter, on TikTok. Zion Williamson is going to be the next generation's. He he is the uh, sort of the uh, the walking embodiment of the next generation of the NBA because Zion Williamson, all it's going to do is take one game, one play a night for him to do something. I don't care if he scores 14 points in a game and Luka Doncic has a 47-point triple-double. When Zion dunks over three guys yeah. going from the free-throw line, he's he's going to generate more buzz than everyone else combined. Zion Williamson is an absolute showstopper. The fact that they rank sixth in road attendance and he hasn't even played yet is nuts. Yeah. Is absolutely insane. This kid is going to own the NBA. I don't think he might not be the best player in the NBA. You know, that's a different conversation. He might not be the fifth best player in the NBA, uh, but he will own the NBA. I agree with you. I absolutely agree with you. He's not going to be the best player in the NBA, but he's going to own the NBA. He's going to be the most influential player in the NBA. He's going to be the guy that's selling the most jerseys after LeBron's gone. I, You know me. 
new information comes out. That's my number one thing I always say. New information comes out, and I have an opportunity to kind of rethink what I had said in the past. And sometimes there's a lot of BS that comes out of my mouth, but this is what I say about Zion Williamson. Zion Williamson will absolutely be the most influential player in the NBA. You look at this. This is a huge stat. Sixth in the NBA without even stepping on the floor. And it's not like he got hurt early on in the season. There was no danger of him making that first game, and people are still turning out in droves to see him. We know that they were on national TV, the Pelicans are talking about, a billion times this year, and it's only going to grow when he actually does step on the floor. Can't wait for that to happen. There you have it for Mike Adams, Gil McGregor, I'm Carlin Gay. Thanks for listening to NBA Sound System. Don't forget to find our work on NBA.com. We will see you later in the week to preview the weekend's game. See you later.